This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. So I don't know about you. If you, have, you have you ever had to use a GPS or a sat-nav? That was the original uh, you know, thing. We used to buy the little tom-tom. You had to have the extra thing and then, you know, and then it has to be updated and like just kind of lead you in all sorts of ways. Nowadays, we just have it all in here, you know, your diary, your library, your contacts, your, you know, your photo album, and also now your GPS or sat navigation is right here. But I remember having the privilege to go to Los Angeles with Ainsley in 2016, and we were invited to minister at a youth conference called Rise Up, and um, all the different churches and youth came together from all over the United States uh, for this time, it was uh, brilliant, and we found very quickly when we were living in Los Angeles, those of you that have ever been there would know how busy and how big that place is. They have a six-lane highway going one way and the other way, so it's like 12 lanes of highway, and that highway never stops. I thought the one morning we had to drive up to, um, you know, Reading uh, in, in, in North Carolina, or North Car- of California, and... Um, and I thought, okay, if we leave at, at 5 in the morning, then the traffic's going to be low, you know? No, no, no. It just kept going. And, and so we went down to this, um, you know, this conference, finished up our sessions, finished very late, packed up everything. And as we were about to leave at 12 a.m. in the morning, before we got in the car, I noticed a famous Los Angeles taco truck. And I was like, I'm not going to leave this opportunity, let this go, pass me by. I'm going to at least have some tacos, you know. So those of you that have heard um, Trevor Noah talk about tacos, you know, and asking for a napkin and and all of those things, we had the legitimate experience of that. And uh, so we stood there, and how how I knew that it was safe to eat from this truck at 12 a.m. is because there was a queue, (laughs) of people standing wanting to get food. So I was like, well, I think it will be safe, you know. But what is interesting is as you stand in front of this, this truck, everything's in Spanish, the, the, the whole menu. And so I, I knew exactly what I needed to get. I needed to get the taco al pastor. <laughs> it was like, that was so familiar. I'll, I'll have that one. And what it is really is, is roasted, you know, marinated pork that's made, made on like a big, you know, espatada stick cut down. It's lovely. The rest of them, they have, you know, pork snouts and all sorts of other things. So at least I was like, that's the one, that sounds like the clean one. <laughs> I'll have the pasta one. But nonetheless, we had our, our tacos and then we had to make our way for an hour drive back to our hosts. And now, you must remember, I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. I don't know where I'm at. And I'm relying on my sat-nav GPS to show me the way. And you know when you get, you watch, you follow the GPS. And it's, it's following, it's taking you. And then you get to, like in South Africa, Joburg, you get to Spaghetti Junction. It's called Spaghetti Junction for a reason. Or, or you know, Gululis or those places. And I don't know why it happens like this. But she'll, the lady, you know, will say, Follow, turn left, okay, so I'm following the road, and then you're watching the little blue line on your, but your co-driver's helping you, obviously, as you go, and, and then you, you, you drive, and then next thing, the blue line jumps, and you realize 
that you've now missed your turn off. There it goes. Because it's too late, it said you to keep left off. So then now we're all in the spaghetti. Now we're carrying on back, back and forth again. Turn around. And so I try again, and I miss the turn off a second time. By this time, all of my co-drivers, backseat drivers and side drivers, because that's what they've now graduated to that point, you know, they can drive better than I can. None of us are used to driving on the wrong side of the road. You know, it's amazing how, how, how much knowledge people gain within minutes. And so I'm trying to follow this GPS, and eventually we make our way, you know, okay, I follow the road, and we get there. But it's amazing for me, actually, in our lives, and our walk of faith, often we set off in the right direction, we're full of confidence, we, are, we feel like we have everything we need, but somewhere along the line, we get lost. And if I speak to us today, which is my topic today, is speaking about our shared faith, uh, the way that you and I can be planted for splendor is that we understand that we have a shared faith, and also our faith, actually, we want, we want to have the faith navigation, Faith nav is one of the things I'm going to be speaking to us about. But if I look at our society today, we are constantly under pressure to lose our faith. Faith is being called into question all of the time. Well, you know, it's nice for you to say this, but I don't really believe that, you know. It's interesting for me to see in our, in our culture today, some of us may approach faith like this. My faith is private and personal. Therefore, I don't share my faith with anybody because it's private and personal. And also, I don't want to impose my beliefs upon someone else. And so even you and I sharing our faith with others, we can sometimes come up against that, that thought of like, well, I don't want to offend them. I, I don't want to push upon them something that is, gonna, is going to bring a barrier between us. That's one of the things that, that we believe in. And I think sometimes when I think about that, um, a lot of times we think about faith is, we feel like faith is it's more important that, that you believe something. So at least you believe something. But actually, if we think about true faith, it's actually very more important what we believe and not so much important that we believe. Because a lot of us around here, I would say, all of us have faith in something. You know, we have faith in a couple of realities, but that's some of the things our culture said. Another way of looking at our faith is we could think of, of our faith as something that happened to me at one point. At some point in my life, I believed. You maybe you sit, sit, sat in church and you're like, yes, I believe that. I've met Christians, you know, they, they're like, are you a Christian? Yes, believer. Okay, do you go to church? Nah, not so much. I don't really, but I believed, you know. At least I know that if I die, then someone will bury me, or if I need someone to marry me, then I can organize some. You know, I've, had, I've received those emails and phone calls from people in our city that are like, I'm in, I'm in City on Hill. That's where, this is my church. And I'm like, but I never see you. I, I, I didn't know that you were part of the family if I never see you. And so our expression of faith is, like, is sometimes, well, it's private. But it's also something that, while well, I switch it on, and at least I have it. It's my, my fire insurance. In case of emergency, flick switch, you know? And so that's not the type of faith, if we want to be rooted and planted for splendor, that's not the type of faith we should be having. Perhaps the third type of faith that we would speak about or that we would see 
is that we would think of our faith or faith in general as irrelevant or unnecessary. I know of people that, that simply think, well, we live in a natural world. I don't think I really need to believe much. But when I, when I had to distill that reality, um, you know, I think all of us exercise faith to some degree. The fact that you're sitting on a chair right now, that's a certain level of faith that you're exercising. That the chair is going to keep you. If you're approaching a bridge, you would need to trust and have faith that the engineers put the right kind of things in place that's going to be able to hold the weight of the vehicle that you're taking or that you're crossing with. Have you ever sat in an airplane when it's about to take off or land? I don't know why takeoff and landing always feels like. But once you're up, you're like, oh, thank goodness. It's there. <laughs> that, the, the wings are like bending but at least this thing's flying, you know? It takes faith, and we exercise faith on a daily basis. And I think, I know when we think of, of science, we feel like science and Christianity is at odds with one another. But something you, that you and I need to understand is that the Christian faith is choosing to act on revealed facts about God. Our Christian faith is choosing to act upon revealed facts about God. You and I can have a surety of our faith, and because we have surety of our faith, we can also now share our faith. Because this is the reality I feel like uh, many believers love the surety that they can have, but they're not sharing their faith. And often we sometimes step out and we share faith, but the minute the cares of life, the challenges, the questions, those things come up, then we, we, we lose our faith because we don't, we're not rooted and founded in a sol solid faith together. Now, there's a story of a man by the name of Nabil Qureshiri. He grew up Muslim, and he used to laugh at the idea of the Trinity. How can one thing be in three things was sort of his question. And I mean, I've tried to explain the Trinity to my children. Sometimes it can feel like a bit of an abstract kind of thing to, to wrap your head around. Then during an organic chemistry class learning about resonance structures of the nitrate ion, he saw this diagram. So you guys can quickly put that one up for me. Now, <laughs> there we go. So he saw this structure. And his teacher explained that the molecule they were studying does not have a single structure. Rather, it is simultaneously has the three structures above. It is not one or the other, but all three of them. How does that work? Nabil started to realize that if there are facts like this in the natural world of science that don't, that, that don't make sense, then surely there can be things about God that don't make sense, but which may nevertheless still be true. There are aspects of our faith that sometimes feel too big for us to wrap our heads around. And, and I, honestly, I, I don't feel like it's a cop-out answer when I say to someone, God is bigger than my brain. Therefore, I'm not, my brain is not going to be able to wrap itself around who God is. And so I think that is a legitimate answer. I'm not, I'm not dismissing the fact that I'm wrestling with certain things. It's okay for us to wrestle. But when we look around 
the evidence that's been shown and some of the evidence that you and I can experience, I believe there's something worthwhile basing our lives upon. And so I know that for all of us, like I said, our faith journey can sometimes be like we're following the GPS and we lose our way. But I believe that there are some things that you and I can build into our lives, which I'm going to share with us now, that will help us to strengthen our faith, but also express our faith together. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 to 6 says the following, For I pass on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, then He appeared to over 500 others, other brothers and sisters at one time, most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Now, Paul is speaking to these, this church in Corinth, and he's saying to them, listen, I want to give you the 101, the, the basis of our faith, the reason why you and I can put our trust in who Jesus is and why we can trust him, not only for what he said he would come and do, but also what he would continue to accomplish in and through our lives. The reason why we can do that is two reasons. One, he has the Old Testament witnesses, the scriptures that had been written for hundreds of years before. You can go and look at all the prophecies that were fulfilled, all of the realities that Jesus came. It is impossible for one person or for a group of people to conspire together to accomplish all of the things that we see in Christianity. Our faith is real, it's true, it's legitimate, it's trustworthy, based on the facts we have, not only from the Bible, but also historic facts that we've received. So Paul's saying, listen, you and I can believe what Christ came to do and put our faith in Him based on what the Scriptures say. But also for Paul, as a person, he spent time with eyewitnesses. These were men and women that had seen Jesus, the risen Christ, in the flesh. And so therefore, us putting our faith in Jesus and trusting that Jesus did actually ascend, He didn't just die or disappear, but He actually ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, that he would return just as he said he would. Now, more than 2,000 years down the line, why do we still believe it? Because our faith is not based on airy-fairy sort of realities, but actually there's truth and fact that you and I can embrace. And so our Christian faith is actually about us choosing to act on revealed facts about God. And I want to quickly talk about those facts, just the reality of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Now, when we look at our faith nav realities, the NAV, I'm going to look at those, just a little acronym for that. I'm going to have a few acronyms this morning. My English is, is improving as we go. Um, but the N stands for necessary. Our faith is necessary. The way that you and I stay on track, the way we don't lose, is that we understand that faith is necessary for us to express this. It's more... <laughs> You know, you and I have to believe this together. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Now without faith it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Some translations say, diligently seek Him. And this is what this series has been about. This is for us as a church. We want to diligently give ourselves to remember the good and the pleasing will of God, because when I give myself faithfully to those things, what happens to my life? God's perfect will begins to unfold in my life. I don't have to pursue the perfect will. I give myself to the, the good and the pleasing. The perfect will take care, takes care of itself. 
And so we need to understand that it is necessary. You and I, if we want to live a life that's planted for God's splendor, for His glory, for His pleasure, then you and I need to have faith, and we need to exercise that. But I, I wonder if you've ever asked this question, so Gareth, how much faith am I supposed to have? A lot of faith? A little bit of faith? You know, is it okay if my faith sort of fluctuates? And, and I think the, the, the question or the answer can actually be found in Mark chapter 9, verse 14 uh, through to, uh, to 25. And, and this is an interesting account that happens. Jesus is journeying with his, his disciples. He's performing many, many miracles. People are beginning to see his power. His disciples are also now beginning to believe not only in who he is, but also who he has called them to be. Because Jesus has now included them, and he sent them out, the 72, to pray. He says, go, go and, and proclaim the gospel, heal the sick, cast out demons, and proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is at hand. And so the disciples eagerly do that. And as they do that, they encounter a bit of a problem, which we see here in uh, verse 14, he says, When they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the scribes disputing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they, this is Jesus, they were amazed and ran to greet him. And he asked them, What are you arguing um, with them about? Someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. Here's these disciples, full of faith, sending out. Yes, gods, we've seen it. Now they pray for this kid, and nothing happens. And now there's this sort of dispute. Oh, man, what's happening? Do they really have faith? You know, are they, do they, are they the real deal? No, let's rather go to Jesus. So now Jesus speaks to them. He says to the following to them in verse 19, it says, he replied to them, you unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you and how long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. So they brought the boy to him. When the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked the father. From childhood, he said. And many times it has thrown him into the fire and water to destroy him. But, you, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can, everything is possible for those who believe or for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the boy cried out, I do believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was quickly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Friends, this is a powerful picture of faith at work here. Here's a father who brings his son. He realizes he needs help. And Jesus says to him, well, anything's possible for those of you, us that believe. Any one of us that trust God can see God move on our behalf, can do things more than what we could ever hope or imagine. But what's interesting is this man realizes his need for faith. He believes, but he's also, Lord, well, help my unbelief. And I don't know where you are at and maybe what some of the things that you go through, but 
I've had moments in my life when I've like, Lord, increase my faith. How many times does Jesus and his disciples have that moment? When, when, when Jesus is speaking with them and he's journeying with them and they're like, Lord, increase our faith, Lord. Please help us. They're in the boat. The storms of life's happening. They're being tossed. Then they're like, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? <laughs> so Jesus wakes up and calms the storm. They're like, who is this? There's so many moments where they, they, what they thought they believed was then put into uh, to test. But God doesn't, God doesn't reject them. He doesn't reject this man. So, oh, you don't have faith. You don't even have faith. I'm not going to heal your son. No, Jesus has compassion upon him. And God speaks and, 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 and actually engages with him. And so it's, it's important for you and I to understand, first of all, that our faith begins with not the revelation or the understanding that God can heal or that God can set free or that Jesus is this powerful person. But actually the, the basis of our faith, the beginning of our faith, is understanding what Paul said before. Who does Paul preach? You and I understand that we are dealing with the Son of the living God. God in flesh. And so for the people, and even for these de demonic spirits that were, were actually, um, you know, uh, tormenting this young boy, for all of them, there, there had to be an understanding and, and actually a choice. Say, I'm going to have faith that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's the son of the living God. And that really, I believe, starts for us. If your faith and my faith is necessary, but it starts with us understanding Jesus is, is the Lord and Savior of our lives, we also need to acknowledge that he has revealed to us who he is. It's necessary for us to see that Jesus is who he says he is. Our Christian faith is also means that you and I should choose to, to believe the revealed facts of who God is. And, and, and one thing about our, our faith, when we think of this faith-nav reality, so faith is necessary, but also faith is active. Too often I've, I've met and sat with people, and, and their faith is up here. Oh, well, I can quote the, the you know, historical facts, and I can say this, and I can tell you that, and all of these different realities, but they're, they're not living their faith. Their faith has no action. It's beautiful to see, and I mean quite challenging if you go and read um, the book of James, especially in chapter 2. James says, you know, when, when you gather together, someone comes in, and there's someone that's rich and someone that's poor, and who do you show, do you show favoritism? You're actually, you're actually not being faithful. You're not really believing God. You're not really taking care of the needs of others. Our faith is expressed not only in us sitting and saying, well, Lord Jesus, I'm going my way to heaven. <laughs> it's not just about that. It's actually about us expressing that faith has to be active. And I've used a, a little acronym for the word faith um, that you can maybe think about. If you're thinking about how am I expressing my faith, this is some way that you can do it. The F stands for faithful. The way that you and I make our, our faith actionable is that we are faithful, faithful to what God has said, faithful to what he has revealed, faithful in what we have decided. Because I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like believing. And I don't always feel like doing the things that I need to do. When we went out to Sunnyside this week to go and hand out some soup, in the freezing cold, 
I was, I was telling you, I, I could have, there was a bunch of other things I felt like doing more than doing that. But when we went, I could see God moving. It also means that you and I build ourselves, when we think about being faithful, we talk about being focused or fully devoted. In other words, at some point for us, if faith is, supposed to, is, is going to take root in our heart, we've got to make a decision. I'm all in or I'm all out. There is no half measures with God. And our faith should be expressed in that same way. The A in our word faith is available. Too often I've seen Christians, and I mean, there's so many instances, Jesus' parables, you know, he tell, tells this one to do, you know, he tells the two, two um, uh, you know, servants, or the actually two brothers, the one he says, you know, go out and tend the, the flock, he, he says, no, he's not going to go, but then he ends up going, the other one says he will go, but he ends up not going. Those, those, those instances happen because somewhere along the line, their faith and their obedience they're not available for God. And the way that you and I, I believe, will be able to express our faith in more e effective ways is making ourselves more available. How much time are you carving out in your life? Remember the parable of the sowers, the seed? The seed, is it being sown amongst rocky ground? I don't have room. There's no space in my life for God's word to take root. God wants you and I to make space. We've got to be available for that. So therefore, I begin to change my schedule. I, I begin to be in, intentional with how I'm making and, and organizing my life. The I is that we are involved. We have to be involved with what God is doing. Too often I've seen believers, I ask them, you know, when last did you read, you know, or lead someone to the Lord Jesus? When last did you share your faith with someone? When last did you actually do something that would benefit someone else? And often they're like, oh, don't ask me. So it's busy. God wants us, if we're going to be planted for splendor, God wants, God wants us to be involved. He, need, he wants us to be in the room. There's so often, I've just seen God move when we've got translocal input or, you know, guys coming in or we've got our equips, or we've got outreaches. If you and I are not involved in serving, if we're not involved in reaching out, if we're not involved in giving and, and growing together, then we miss out on something of that, and I don't believe that we're expressing our faith effectively. So as believers, God wants us to be involved, and that's one of the ways we express our faith. The T stands for teachable. And I, I've, I've sat with some, some Christians over the years, and, and I myself have had seasons in my life when I'm just like, okay, I know, I know. I, I, don't, I know, I know. You know, every single moment of the day is an opportunity to grow and learn. And I've found that it's often the most mature, i.e., have sat in the pews for the longest time. The ones that have got all the commentaries on the Bible that they've read. They can tell you what Moses said, what he had for breakfast. You know, they can tell you the Greek and the Hebrew of everything. They know everything. They cannot learn from anyone. And I believe if we want to truly live our faith, we need to be teachable on every moment, every moment of the day, from every person, from the young believer. I remember giving drum lessons for a living, and, and I mean, here I am, the expert, the, the, trying to teach someone, and, and I think just about every new student I, I taught, taught me something. 
because I was eagerly looking for opportunity. They would play things I'm asking them to do wrong. They wouldn't do what I'm asking them. Frustration, difficulty to do that. But then I can hear there's aspects of what they're doing that if I could put that in the right context, it would actually enable me and empower me. So I'm asking you, are you teachable? Are you placing yourself in a position where you can grow? Are you actually looking to learn from others or are you always being the one that wants to teach? And whenever someone shares something, in your mind, you're not even listening to what they're saying. All you're thinking about is what you're going to say next. God doesn't want us to be like that. God wants us to be teachable. And then the H is that God wants us to be hungry. This is how our faith is, is actionable. This is your faith is, is, is actionable when you and I are hungry. I know some of you are thinking the roast is in the oven right now. <laughs> but that hungry means that we're passionate. We are saying, Lord, at every moment, Lord, I'm hungry for you, Lord. I desire for you to reveal to me more of who you are. My quiet time tomorrow morning, tonight when you lay your head on the, are you allowing God to fill you? Are you creating space in your heart? Are you constantly putting yourself in positions and places where you can grow, where you can be stretched, where you can feel, it's a little bit uncomfortable? And then I just started a new light group in our home. And it was so interesting this week because everybody that we got there except for one other person i didn't really know i'd met them they were acquaintances you know and it was initially you're feeling like so awkward hi how's it yeah yeah you know and you're trying to get get over a bit of that sort of awkward things and ask what do you do for a living you know the sort of questions we ask but very soon the minute we we got, I got to know the people a bit better. and I could share some of my story. And we actually said, Lord, come and, come and minister to us. Show us what you, you're doing, Lord. When we started to, to, to be hungry for what God wanted to do with us together, it's like the barriers just fell. And all of a sudden, everyone is sharing and we're praying together. And we've just met each other that evening. And I, I want to ask you, are you hungry for more of God in your life? Are you positioning yourself in such a way, and are you stirring up the passion that God has for you and for me? Which brings me to our, our last um, V in our NAV part. So faith is necessary, faith is actionable or active, and faith is also vulnerable. And this is important to see, friends, that our faith can and does at times find itself in a place where it can be quenched. That little flame can be blown out if I'm not cultivating it on a, on a daily basis. I love this quote by Bear Grylls. He says, look after a fire when it's small and it will look after you when it's big. In survival, if you've ever watched one of these Bear, Bear Grylls, you know, the first thing he does is he gets a fire going because he knows the fire is going to be the thing that's going to keep him alive. He can cook, he can warmth, there's all sorts of realities. And for us, our faith can be blown out. It can be quenched. And I love this instance that happens in, in 1 Thessalonians. This church is planted, it's rooted, I've been sharing it with the communities. I'm, I'm excited about this reality. This church gets planted in three weeks. Paul spends three weeks with them, this church gets planted. This church's faith begins to be a, a beacon of hope, like a big watchtower, a lighthouse, being 
beamed out throughout the region. And Paul writes this to them. He says, Recall in the presence of God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Your faith, in verse 8, says, The Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Friends, our faith as a church, God is constantly and, and, and every moment looking for an opportunity for our faith to be beamed out, to, to ring out like a bell into the nations. That's why we as a church or a base church, we are taking care of and, and hosting and going and sending and using our facilities, the resources we have, so that the gospel can ring out. People from all over the world talk about you, City on Hill, all the time. I just spoke to Mark this week weekend. Uh, he was in Chicago for the equip there, the U.S. equip, and he was sharing with them some of the things that God has been doing with us. He was also sharing with some of the guys there about our support and how we are supporting them to be able to be established and uh, for the work that God's called them to, for that to, to take root. And the, the guys there are just like, wow, look at what God has done. And their prayer for us is that God would increase, that God would bless us, that He would continue to use us to be a blessing beyond the four walls of this building. Friends, that's what we are part of. Our faith is ringing out. But then He says the following to them. He says, He knows that their faith is so strong and it's being ringing out and everybody's hearing about it. And wherever he goes and he meets someone, he says, wow, I've, I've met the, the guys from Thessalonica. They've, they've, they're down their lives. They embrace the faith. They've enjoyed the gospel. But then in, in, in chapter 3, he begins to say the following. So he says, uh, we've sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning what? Your faith. Why does Paul send them Timothy? Because he's concerned about their faith. He wants to make sure that they're doing well. I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. Verse 9 of chapter 3 says, We pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and complete what is lacking in your faith. Our faith is vulnerable, friends. And we need one another. We need the gifts that God's called us to partner with as a church, to fan into flame that which God has entrusted to us. And I, I want to ask you, do you, can you be a Timothy to some of your co-workers, your family members, maybe the guys in your life group, some, some other people in your community? Can you be the one that's checking in on them? Hey, I, you started so well. Continue, or actually maybe can you, can you step it up a bit? I know some of you are feeling like, Gareth, I'm the one that's supposed to step it up. So then can I be your Timothy today? To tell you, let's fan it into flame. Because what, what I've realized is this faith of ours does not sustain itself. Jesus says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so when you and I on a daily basis yield ourselves to the Lordship of Christ, it says about the church in Thessalonica, they gave up idols in order to worship the living God. Some of those idols in our life would be just the, the things that we prioritize, what we give ourselves to, what we, we continue to, to walk in or hold on to. 
that's not bringing us into the image and the likeness of Christ. And today, friends, God wants you and I to be united with Him. He wants us to be encouraged so we would fan into flame this, this faith that God has entrusted to us. And so I want to say to us that if your faith, you, need, you and I need to understand that our faith is necessary. And if you don't have faith today, you can do what that father did. Lord, increase my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. Jesus can be the author today who can spark the faith that you and I need. You and I can also understand that our faith is active. So therefore, you and I need to begin to live it. And I, I don't know how you need to live it. But I'm asking of you and I as a community of believers, if we're planted for, for splendor, God wants us to give ourselves faithfully to the things that He's revealed, which means we gather together, we grow together, and we go together as a church. As a community, we prioritize what's on God's heart, not on our own. We are intentional with that. And lastly, that we understand that our faith is vulnerable and that we need to feed it on a daily basis, every single moment of the day, utilizing every opportunity I have to be able to fan into fame that passion for Jesus' name. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are good, that you are with us today, Lord. And I pray that for all of us, Lord, I pray first of all, Lord, for those of us that today that you sparking that flame of faith in us. I pray, Father, that as they put their faith in you, that they would know, Jesus, that you are, have come as the Lord of all creation. You are the one, the only one, the Christ, who would set us free from our sins. And if that's you today, even as all, everyone's eyes are closed, I want to ask you to be bold, to just raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you right now. If you want to put your faith in Jesus, or maybe even recommit your life to Christ, can I ask you to be bold, to just raise your hand quickly. There's hands going up all over this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to ask you, if you've raised your hand, can I ask you to be bold, to just quickly stand there where you are. The reason why I want you to stand is because I want those around you, to just quickly lay a hand on you as we pray with you. Thank you. You can just be not notice those, those people that are standing right now. Some of our leaders, quickly come around them. We want to give these people a good birth. It's so wonderful to see so many people standing together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Some of us are recommitting our lives right now. Can we, friends, as a church, pray with these people? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you fill them with your spirit right now that you set them free from all unrighteousness and Holy Spirit that you give them and bring them into a life that is filled with faith, filled with your love, filled with your goodness and your grace, Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you are at work right now. I want to ask those of you that are praying with them right now to continue to minister to them and afterwards please bring them through to um, the prayer room. We'd love to connect with them quickly just to make sure that they have a good birth. For the rest of us, friends, if you want to, are you saying, Lord, I want to be faithful, available, involved, teachable, and hungry, can I ask you to stand with me and say, Lord Jesus, come and empower me by your Spirit to allow me to walk out this faith, to be intentional, not to lose my way, Lord Jesus, but to be filled with your Spirit together. Let's respond together. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.